So this week is Parshas Vayigash. Parshas Vayigash is a, uh, a great ending to a uh, very long and difficult saga. We have the uh, you know the uh, reunion, finally the reunion of Yosef with his brothers. Right, first with Binyamin and then with Yaakov. Everything comes together in this week's Parsha. So we have in Perik Memhei Pasuk Yudalit that when Yosef finally sees Binyamin, Savri Binyamin Achiv Vayevk. He falls on literally the neck of Binyamin, his brother, and cries. Binyamin bachal tzavarov. Binyamin cries on Yosef's neck. There's a, um, a, a, a um, emphasis here on the neck, that he's crying on Binyamin's neck, and Binyamin is crying on his neck. And grammatically also it says he, he fell on Binyamin tzavarei Binyamin, which is sort of like, like plural, as if there's two necks. Oh. Um, Yosef falls on Binyamin's necks and Binyamin falls on Yosef's neck and they all cry. So what's going on? Rashi brings to, Rashi brings to us from the Mizrashim that of course we're talking about tremendous tzaddikim with uh, prophetic powers. And he says, mm-hmm. We know that the Beis HaMikdash, Temple Mount, is in the portion of Binyamin in Eretz Yisrael. So there's going to be two Batim Mikdash, the first and second, that are going to be in Binyamin's area and are going to be destroyed. And that's what Yosef is crying about. So when Yosef falls on Binyamin's neck, necks, and yeah. cries, it's referring to the two Batim Mikdash that are going to be in Binyamin's portion and are going to be destroyed. Further, says Rashi, Binyamin Bachat Savarav, when Binyamin is crying on Yosef's neck, Al Mishkan Shilo, we know that in addition to the two Beis HaMikdash, there was also the Mishkan of Shiloh that also stood a tremendous amount of time. Right? 369 years after the Jews come into Israel, you have Mishkan Shiloh. That's in the section of Yosef. So Rashi tells us a fascinating thing. We have hundreds of years before any of this. Binyamin and Yosef. Shiloh wasn't dis- destroyed. Well, it was destroyed. It wasn't, yeah. by Right, you're right. You're, no, you're technically correct. In other words, they took, the, they took it apart and they held on to it. But it was destroyed as being a functioning Mishkan. There was that war with the Plishtim and they came apart and they took it apart. But you're right, differently than the walls of the Besamiklash, and that's a very good point. Was the most of it in Yehuda? Was the most of it in no, no, no. That was most was in Binyamin. Right, a part of it was right, a little small part. Right, right. Mostly was by Binyamin. I got one part. You there? No, you're, you're very, you're right on target. Anyways, I got to be careful with this clothes there. I'm here. But anyways, so the story is like this. So Rashi is telling us that that's the deeper or the remez what's going on over here. That each one is crying for the other's loss. Yosef for the two Batei Miktash that are going to be lost by Binyamin Binyamin for the Shiloh, Mishkan of Shiloh that will be lost from Yosef it's interesting though that it's all referred to in the neck that the base of Miktash and the Mishkan over here are referred to or they're alluded to by the crying on the neck Yosef on Binyamin's neck and Binyamin on Yosef's neck that concept we find later in the Torah as well um, in the end of Vizos Abracha, when, when Moshe Rabbeinu is giving the brachas to the different tribes, he says, Levinyamin Amar Yidid Hashem, Vinyamin, who's the friend, so to speak, of Hashem, Yishkon Lavetach Alav, Hashem will rest, you know, but with Vinyamin, Chofeifal of Kalayom hovers over him, Obein Kseifav, between his shoulders, Shachain, Hashem will rest and dwell. And here we have the same idea, between the shoulders, that's the neck. The idea of the shachin, of the shechina, the dwelling of Hashem in the portion of Binyamin is again, uh, the Torah uh, t- tells it, alludes to it by using that, for, uh, that term of being seifav between the shoulders. 
So Rashi says, I'm reading from Rashi there in Pasha's this Hebracha, Amar. He says, right before Binyamin, Moshe talked to Levi. He says, Lefishabirchas, Levi, Bavodas Akrabanos. But with Levi, he talked about Kabanos. Vishal Binyamin, Bibinyan Besamiktash Bechalko. Binyamin, we have the Besamiktash. So therefore, some Chonzeloze, that's why you have Binyamin right after Levi, we have the Kabanos and then the Besamiktash. Okay. Vesamach Yosef Acharav. Right after Binyamin, we have Yosef. Shafu, Mishkan Shiloi, Banan Bechalko. Right, so we have here this, uh, this group. Binyamin is the, the Besamiktash. Uh, I'm sorry, Levi is the Avoda, the Karbanos, Binyamin is Besamiktash, Yosef is Shila. Okay, then Rashi goes on and says, Why, is, why are we talking about between the shoulders? He says that the Besamiktash was in the high part of the land. It was 23 amas, 23 cubits lower than the highest point. The highest point is in Etam, that's where a certain spring of water came forth from. Yeah. The Besamiktosh is 23 Amos lower. Vishama Yadata Shadavid Livnosa. That's where David wanted to build a Besamiktosh, because he Gidisa Bishidas Kashim, as it says in the Perak Shidas Kashim in Zwachim. It says, Amri Nahti Bepurta. Let's that it shouldn't be on the high point. The Besamiktosh was Dafka not on the high point. We shouldn't see being safe of Shachain between the shoulders the most powerful or beautiful part of the ox is the shoulders so we see here this connection again and again both in this week's parsha when the Binyamin and, and, uh, and Yosef are crying on each other's necks referring to the Beis HaMikdash then later that the Beis HaMikdash is in the neck area of Eretz Yisrael not the high point a little bit less than the high point we find this idea in one more place, and that is in Shira Shirim, Song of Songs, Bishlom HaMelech, where he says there, Perig Dalet, Pasig Dalet, Kimigdal David Tzavareich. Again, the neck. Migdal David is the Tower of David. The Tower of David refers to Besamikdash, which David HaMelech is the one who is credited with building the Besamikdash, though, of course, we know he didn't actually build it, but he bought the grounds and prepared all the materials. It's the Besamikdash, is called Migdal David, but again, we have Tzavareich. It's the neck, the neck area that is the um, comparison, or what's used, to allude to the Besamikdash. And here we have an interesting medrash, medrash rabba, zebe samikdash, velama midamehu bitsavar. The medrash asks, why the neck? And it says, the medrash gives a couple of interpretations. One, shakal yamim shahayu besamikdash banu vikayam, hayu tsavaran shal yisrael peshot ben umas haolam. The chivan shakare besamikdash kabayachol, nichfaf tsavaran shal yisrael. The first explanation the Medrash gives is the neck is when we stand tall, right? When you have when you stand upright with your neck outstretched upward, that is a sign of pride. As long as we had our Besamiktash, we were proud amongst the nations. Once the Besamiktash was destroyed, says the Medrash, it's like our, we get sunk in, it's like the neck is bowed. So the Besamiktash is our pride standing tall like that neck that stands tall. That's the first explanation of the Medrash. As it says in the curses, Hashem says, I will, when I destroy the Besamiktash, I'll destroy your, your pride. Ze Besamiktash. Okay. Davar Acher, another explanation. Mat Savar Zen Nasun Begovo Shel Adam. Kach Besamiktash Nasun Begovo Shel Olam. Just like the neck is on the high point of the person, the Besamiktash is on the high point of the world. That's the second point. Finally, Mat Savar Zen Rov Tachshitin Tluyin Bo. 
The neck is a place that people adorn with necklaces and different types of chokers, whatever it is, right? Or glasses, whatever you have hanging from your neck, right? Kach, and the same thing is the Beis HaMikdash, Kach, Kahuna, Mi Beis HaMikdash, Leviya, Mi Beis HaMikdash, right? There's the Kahunas in the Beis HaMikdash, Leviya, so we're adorned in the Beis HaMikdash like the neck is a place of adornment. I'm sorry? connection from the from the heart to the brain. Yeah, 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 we'll talk, we'll see, we'll see. Um, and finally, one last one. If something happens to the neck, the person is not alive anymore. In the same way, the Beis HaMikdash is destroyed, we lose, in a sense, our source of life. So how many explanations did the Medrash give us? They tell us... Um, that we stand up straight with the neck. It's a, a sign of pride. Um, the neck is in the high point of the person. The neck is the place where we, we adorn with various different types of adornments. And the neck is the place of our life. And for all of these reasons, the Medrash tells us the Beis HaMikdash is compared to the neck. And as we've seen so far, three places at least, right? Once in Parsha Vayigash, once in Bezos HaBracha, once in Shir HaShirim, that the Beis HaMikdash is always compared to the neck. Now, after all is said and done, there's still a question, and that there is, even though the neck is so chashiv and so important, and you have no life without the neck, and it's the high point, but there is something that would seem to be one step above the neck, and that is the head. I mean, if you have no head, you have no life either, and the head is definitely the high point of the person. And so why is it, there's, there's got to be something deeper to this concept of the Besamekdash being the neck. And the truth is, we find one more time, before we come to the explanation, um, in Chumash, where you have the neck, and that is again in this week's parsha when Yaakov meets when Yosef meets Yaakov, right? Same thing. Perik Memvav Pasik Chavtes later in this week's parsha, right? Vayaser Yosef Merkafto Yosef um, he he saddles his, his whatever his uh, chariot. And Vayal across Israel of Goshen, goes to see his father in Goshen. Vayera Elov, he appears to him. Vayipol al Savarov, Vayef al Savarov od. Yosef falls on Yaakov's neck, and Yosef cries on Yaakov's neck again. The neck. Isn't there some question as to who's who here? Or right. We know for sure who's who. So the the general pshat, the accepted pshat, is that Yosef was the one that was crying, and Yaakov not. And that's what Rashi says. I don't Afkan here, but Yosef bebecha Yosef. Yosef cried tremendous amount. Yaakov did not fall on his neck, did not kiss him. That Yaakov was reading the Shema famously when Yosef met Yaakov. Why is that area of a lot of explanation? We're not going to go into that. But here too, we have the idea, again, there's this neck. The Torah is very involved with crying on the neck. Why? So here we have from the Zohar, Parshas Vayigash, and says, V'kadistalek mikdasha. Again, Yosef was seeing the future destruction of the Beis HaMikdash. And that's why he cried on his neck. They were crying about the Beis HaMikdash that was going to be destroyed. And why Od? Because the length of Golos that Yosef was crying about. Again, the Beis HaMikdash and the neck. <laughs> it keeps on coming back to the same place. We have it with Yaakov and I'm sorry, we have it with Yosef and Binyamin. We had it when Moshe Rabbeinu is benching Binyamin at the end of the Torah. We have it in Shira Shirim. We have it in this parsha. What's this thing with the, Why is the Beis Hamikdash so connected with the neck? So one idea, and it's an idea again that we've mentioned before, 
that the head represents the high point of the body, no question. That's where our brain is, that's where our mind is, that's where our sight and, and hearing is. The neck represents the conduit. It brings all, everything from the head to the rest of the body. Right, that's what the neck is. It, the neck in and of its own doesn't have its own, it's not, the brain is not in the neck and the sight is not in the neck, but the neck is the area through which everything comes from the head, travels to the rest of the body. That's the garon or the neck. And therefore, what the neck represents more than anything else is bringing from the high point and bringing it to everything else, leading and guiding the rest of the body with what with the messages that the mind is giving the rest of the body. And therefore, that's the idea of the Beis HaMikdash. The Beis HaMikdash isn't supposed to be just a place of holiness and a place to, uh, so to say, remove from the world. The Beis HaMikdash is this, the source for godliness to come to the entire world. It's like that, just like that neck. Hashem is the head. The Beis HaMikdash is the neck that brings Hashem into the entire world, that brings the Hashpah, brings the Bracha into the entire world. In fact, all of our tefillah goes through the place of the Beis HaMikdash. The Beis HaMikdash is called, right, Kibesi Beis Tefillah Yikarei L'chol That's why when we dive in, we face the Beis HaMikdash. And from there comes forth the Bracha. Interestingly, even it says about the windows of the Beis HaMikdash that they were made in a fascinating way, right? They were made going outward. I'm sorry? They were wider. They got wider as they went outward, which is the opposite of the way windows were typically made back then. Windows were made to bring light into a home, so you want it to become wider as it comes into the home. But the idea of the windows of the Beis HaMikdash was the opposite, to bring the light to the rest of the world. And that's why the Beis HaMikdash is compared to the neck in all of these places that we just learned. The Shaila, though, becomes is a different Shaila, which is, we have her, everyone's crying about the destruction. Right, but everyone's crying about everyone else's destruction, right? Yeah, um, Binyamin it says is crying because of the destruction of Shiloh. That's going to be by Yosef. Yosef is crying because of the destruction of the Beis Hamikdash by Binyamin. Why is everyone crying for everyone else? Why not for their own thing? Obviously, it's it's wonderful to feel empathy and uh, cry for someone else, which is wonderful. But first and foremost. Adam Karov Eitzel Atzmo. That's what the halacha is, and that's the fact. That the first thing is we feel our own pain, and we also have Abbas Yisrael, and we feel empathy for another. But why do they seem to only be crying for the other and not for their own? And then when it comes to Yosef and Yaakov, Yaakov is not crying at all. Yosef is crying, and Yaakov is busy. Do they know their own is going to be destroyed? Maybe well, why not? Why, why would, other, but maybe they don't see their own. So that's an interesting point. It's an interesting Shaila. Mm-hmm. But the question is, if you have prophecy, if you have the Nevoah, and of course Hashem can elect to hide A, B for whatever he wants, but what would be the logic? Why would Hashem say, okay, you're going to see his base make this, you'll see his Mishkan. And then again with Yaakov and Yosef, Yaakov is not crying at all. He's saying Shema. Why isn't he crying if we're talking about the Churban Beis HaMikdash? The Beis HaMikdash is being destroyed. Why? You know, Shema is, is, is very important, but we're talking about the Churban Beis HaMikdash. Why don't we find that Yaakov is crying as well? And here, the Rebbe gives us a very beautiful insight. And that is, <clears throat> when we have our own internal issue, then crying is not what we have to do. What do we have to do? What can I do to fix it? When I have a problem, when I have something wrong within me, um, sometimes, in fact, crying becomes an excuse. Oh, I'm so sad, I'm so sad, I'm crying. No, stop crying. Do something about it. Crying is when I can't do anything about it. Like when, when I'm being mishtatev, when I want to um, show uh, empathy for another, and mishtatev, how do you say mishtatev in English? Um, to, Take part, take part, join in someone else's pain. So that I'll, I'll cry to express that, yes, I feel very pain for you. But for myself, the first and most appropriate thing is 
that I have to see what can I do to fix, to correct, or do tshuva for what the problem is and how could it be corrected. And therefore, um, when Yosef Hatzarek sees that he has a problem, his Mishkan Shila is going to be destroyed, Yosef says, that's for me an avoda. What can I do? What can I do tshuva for myself? What can I add in order to see to it that my base and shouldn't be destroyed? But for someone else, I'll be mishtatif in their tsar. I'll, I'll cry and show empathy to their tsar. And the same is with Yosef and Yaakov. Yaakov, it's his base of Mikdash. Yaakov says, this is my thing. So Yaakov is not going to cry. What's Yaakov doing? He's saying Kriyashma. What's the idea of saying Kriyashma? Kriyashma is the concept of Mesir Nefesh, giving himself over to Hashem. That's what a base of Mikdash is all about. What's a base of Mikdash for? The Ramah says the base of Mikdash, first and foremost, is for Avodah for serving Hashem, for bringing the karbanos, and so on and so forth. So Yaakov, when Yaakov feels, oh, the Beis HaMikdash is going to be destroyed, what that brings about in Yaakov is not to cry for it, but to say Kriyashma, to try to come closer to Hashem, to do Shuva, because it's His. So here we have the pattern that everyone, when it comes to someone else, I'll cry for their loss, for their pain, <laughs> for their difficulty. But for their own thing, it's not a time of crying, it's a time of avoida. what could I do to help them? Because that's for the Beis HaMikdash, that's not in his chilek. Uh, Right. Yosef sees the Beis HaMikdash, which is not in Yosef's chilek. Because Yosef was Shiloh, they had from the beginning. But Yaakov is the father, everything is in Yaakov's chilek. So the Beis HaMikdash is in Yaakov's chilek. Yaakov is saying, Kriyashma, Yosef is crying. Here we have a quote from the Gemara Brachas, Tafidal Adamud Beis, second to the last paragraph on the page. Omar Ula. Someone who, who reads Kriyashma without Tefillin. So the Gemara says, uh, one statement, made a Shekhar. Then it says, That um, saying Kriyashma without Tefillin is like bringing a carbon, but not bringing the proper additions to a carbon. Mm-hmm. What do we see from this Gemara? That Kriyashma is the same concept as Karbonos. Right? That uh, just like a Kriyashma needs Tefillin, a Karban needs Nesachin, or a Karban needs a Mincha. So Kriyashma is the idea of the Beis HaMikdash. The idea of the Beis HaMikdash is, again, to bring Karbanos to Hashem, to bring, come close to Hashem. That's what one does through Kriyashma. Therefore, Yaakov Avinu, when Yaakov Avinu has the same prophecy, the Beis HaMikdash is going to be destroyed. So he, what he does is, he belches out and says, let's say Kriyashma. Let's do what we can to make sure the Beis HaMikdash won't be destroyed. I'll add in my Avod, I'll add in my Kriyashma. I'll say Kriyashma in a deeper way, in a better way. That was Yaakov's way of saying, I'm going to do what I can, that the Beis HaMikdash should not be destroyed. I'm not going to cry. I'm not going to spend time crying. I'm going to spend time on doing what I can. Now, one will ask, though, and we'll finish with this concept, they'll say, well, how could anyone do anything? It was very decreed the Beis HaMikdash was going to be destroyed. They saw Nevoah. They saw this is going to happen. So if it's going to happen, the whole point we're saying here is that we're not going to cry in our own thing. We have to do our avoda, we have to do tshuva. But if we already saw it's going to happen, it's going to happen. Didn't we say once that bad nevoas don't have to come true, only good nevoas are guaranteed? Exactly. So that's the answer over here lies in a different Gemara, a very famous Gemara. I'm, I'm going to say a different angle to the Gemara that you just said, but a very famous Gemara that talks about that we never are able to, we should never give up. And there, even if there's a nevuah for the negative, we have the ability through tefillah and through avoda to be mevatel, to nullify a negative decree. And where's the famous Gemara again in Brachas, the Fyudah And it's talking about the King Chizkiyahu. Right? The King Chizkiyahu became very sick and he was going to die. Yeshayahu came to him and he said, 
So Yeshayahu comes, Yeshayahu is one of the greatest Nevi'im, and he says, I have a Nevi'ah for you, you're finished, right? you're going to die. And he says, go to your house and tell them, you know, Tzav Lebezcha, give it a you know, will and test them and take care of the family, because you're done. Isn't Meis Ata the low two the same thing? Right, so that's the two dots. <laughs> that's what I didn't bring. It says Meis Ata Right, he says basically he says you're, you're, the Hashem is very upset with you. Oh, Marley, so Chizkiyo says my kula high. And what did I do so bad? Actually, Chizkiyo was a great king. Um This is where Yeshua tells him you didn't have children. Chizkiyo made a conscious decision not to have children. And Jeroh says that was a terrible mistake. He is not allowed to make such a decision not to have children. So Chizkiyahu said, there's a reason why I'm not having children, right? Chizkiyahu was a tzaddik, and he had Ruach HaKodesh, a divine um, inspiration. And he said, I see that I'm going to have children who are going to be big Rishayim. And that's what really happened in the end. <laughs> Terrible Russia. But he says, I'm not going to have children. Why would I want to bring such a Russia, someone who's going to bring idolatry into the Jewish people, a mass murderer? I'm not going to have children. Oh, Marley. And here we have one of the famous statements of the Gemara. Yeshayo tells Chizkiah, he says, This is not your business. It's not our business to know Hashem's secrets and try to act upon them. You have to do what your mitzvah is. If you have a mitzvah to have children, you got to have children. What Hashem wants to do, Hashem will do. That's not your business. That's what Yeshayahu tells Chizkiah. Oh, Marley. So Chizkiah says, you know what? Okay, I got an idea. Havli bratach. You know what? You want me to get married? Give me your daughter. Chizkiah tells Yeshayahu, can I see the kid's going to be a Russian? But you're telling me I gotta do it anyway? Okay, I have a good shidduch. You're a daughter. He says, Asher de Gramas Chusa Didi Vididach Vinafka Minoy Bininda Mailu. Maybe we'll have such a good shidduch. Chizkiyo is a sadik. The daughter of Ishayo, obviously it's sadikis. So maybe between the two of us we'll be able to set the record straight and have a fine child. So Chizkiyo tells Shayo, what are you talking about? I'm like Farnigzer Allah Zaira. I already told you you're gonna die. I came here to tell you to write a will and testament. What do you mean? I mean, you want to marry my daughter? You're finished. Oh, Marley. Chizkiyahu says, Ben Amoitz, son of Amoitz, he tells you, you can leave now. He says, Stop, I don't want to hear. He says, You can leave. This is what I have received from my grandparents. Even if a sharp sword is lying on the neck of a person, one should never withhold themselves from Rachim and from Hashem's mercy. Saying, even though a Nevuah was given already, right? Because Yeshayahu came and said, Hashem. He said, Hashem said, you are going, Your time is up. Yeshayahu says, No. Yeah, I'm sorry, Chizkiyo says, Chizkiyo says, I have accepted, I have heard, I've learned that a person can never um, be Messiah, never give up. Hashem could always have Rachamim and Hashem could revert a negative decree. And he says, Yeshua to leave. And as the Pasuk goes on and the Gemara says that, he, that Chizkiyo turns his face to the wall, he davens, his tefillahs are accepted and he lived for another 15 years over the Nevoah. The Nevoah was that he was going to die at that point. Fifteen years were granted to him. Hitake married then Yeshayahu's daughter, as he had suggested. And Hitake had a son, who was the Herbal of Russia. That was a Menashe, who was their son, who ended up killing his grandfather Yeshayahu. Right? So, so Chizkiah wasn't off. Chizkiah knew exactly what he was doing. 
And here we have one of those famous things. Hashem says, you got to do what you got to do. That's my business. Let's not mix. You know, I have a job. I'm Hashem. You're a person. And you have to listen to the mitzvah, even though you know that it might turn out badly. It doesn't matter. The point is, for our sake, what do we see from this Gemara? Even when there's a nevuah, negative nevuah says so something bad is going to happen, we have the ability to turn it around through Torah, through Mitzvah, through Shuvah. So that's the answer to the Kasha, why Yaakov wasn't crying. Yeah, I'm not going to cry if I see the Chumash make this. I'm going to say Krishna. I'm going to do my Chelech. I'm going to do my thing. Even though there was a negative nevuah, I'm going to do what I can to revert that and to nullify the negative decree. And the same thing is earlier with Yosef ben Yaman. Each one cried for the other. But for themselves, they were busy doing their avodah. They were busy working that the negative nevuas shouldn't transpire and that the besamikta sh- shouldn't be destroyed. <laughs> Ultimately, they were. But here we have the, the very powerful lesson that when we see something difficult, something wrong, a problem within ourselves, the avoid, the primary avodah is not crying about it, but what are we going to do about it? Versus when we see something with someone else, so we're mishtatif and they're tsar, we show empathy, we cry, but for ourselves, first and foremost, it's not about crying, it's about doing their avodah to, to fix it and to help it. That's not to say that sometimes crying is part of the tshuva process. It's also charata, it's regret. But the main idea of tshuva is not the regret and the crying, it's more the actual change of what can one do to change and see how to correct something, even if it seems there's already a negative nevuah, al yisyayish min arachman, we never give up from asking for Hashem's rachman, and Hashem can and, and does revert even a negative nevuah.